0: Quick reminders, as announced. Those that are uh, helping in DVS will meet in the auditorium up here at the front. Now we have the preaching service, and then we'll have communion. Uh, and so uh, it'll be after, obviously, all those. It'll be right up here. So if you are a conversationalist, you may carry that out into the lobby. And here's the benefit: if you carry that in the lobby, there will be some greeting cards that you can help the forerunners fill out. Uh, and do uh, they will be set up in the lobby. If you want to help with that, you can. And if you don't even want to talk there, it's a nice night outside. You can talk outside. Uh, and if you don't want to talk there, invite somebody to your house. It will work out. I promise. Okay. Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to First Corinthians, chapter number fourteen. We have service this evening no service next sunday evening as a reminder on father's day we have family time like we do on mother's day memorial day and then we'll do it again on july the 3rd in anticipation of the 4th of july independence day but we have been talking about churches we know it we've got one this week and then another one on the 26th and then lord willing and the foot Holds, Brother Mike will be on for July 10th and 17th is what we had talked about. Uh, and if that doesn't work out, I've got plenty of churches we know it that I can plug in there. But we're hoping that his gets back to wealth and strength enough that he can sit here, I'm eagerly anticipating the closing. And what we're going to do is give him two weeks so he can review and then close the entirety on biblical stewardship. We're anticipating that as well. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 is where we are this evening. Just one little verse, but tonight we're going to look at propriety. Does anyone know, it's Sunday night, so we can be a little less formal. Does anybody know what propriety means? Nate knows, because on the way in the car he was asking, doesn't it mean like you own a business? That's a proprietorship, that's different. Propriety, what does propriety mean? Good behavior. Good conduct. We'll talk about that in detail tonight, but that's what we're here to talk about. Does the church have a philosophy on your good behavior? And the answer is yes, we have a philosophy of how we expect business and people to conduct themselves, or the propriety that they demonstrate one to another on a regular basis. Do we put this on a big placard and say, these are the rules of propriety? No, it's more of a philosophy. As we'll study tonight. Look at verse number 40. Just one verse. We'll read it and then we'll pray and jump into the preaching tonight. The Bible says, let all things be done how? Decently and in order. Yes, decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. Father, help us this evening as we come to this topic of propriety, our conduct, our behavior. And yes, as a body joined together through the Lord Jesus Christ and every joint fitly placed, there is a way in which we should conduct ourselves as members of that body. Lord, we have two extremes that we often see in good churches. We have the strongly legalistic group and then the licentious liberty group neither is helpful or healthy for the believer so tonight lord as we take a careful walk through and a quick walk through our propriety may we understand what it means and how it affects each of us bless in this hour we pray in jesus name amen paul's statement here in verse number 40 comes as a de facto closing to this letter to the corinthian church filled with christians who are at various different stages of their christian growth in other words If you were a believer at Corinth, if you were in that church, you would literally look around from member to member, from house to house, and you would see various different levels of growth in that church. And so what Paul says, as he's kind of winding the the whole book or this letter down, he says, look, let everything be done decently and in order. Chapter 15 is just a... Foreview, I call it, of heaven. He is looking forward to what the resurrection will bring. Chapter 16 in 1 Corinthians is just a re- rehearsal of all the faithful people that served alongside the Apostle Paul. So this essentially could serve as the last instructive teaching verse for everything that he's taught up to this point. And Paul taught a lot in this little letter. yeah But he says at the end of it all, and literally at the end of chapter 14, a chapter about tongues and prophesying and what they were doing in the church he said look the key goal the driving force for a successful new testament church is that everything that everyone does in that place is going to be done both decently and orderly that's god's command and that's what we try to follow here as a church as well This was a church that was full of pride and were excusing sexual immorality. This was a church where spiritual gifts were being used improperly. And there was rampant misunderstanding of certain key Christian doctrines that Paul had clearly taught them. The apostle wrote this first letter to the Corinthians in an attempt to restore Corinth to its foundation, Jesus Christ. And our philosophy of propriety always is always going to try to drive us back to or keep us anchored to our Savior and foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Decency and orderliness combined into one word could be the word propriety. So tonight we'll look at that philosophy. Let me say this also as we set to uh, look at this topic this evening. No one at this church can mandate your behavior. I mean, pastor, you could guilt me into it right. I could probably guilt a lot of people into a lot of things. That would make me a horrible man and a terrible pastor. Yeah. So I, I can't mandate your right behavior. Yeah. I can't make you do it. I have a hard time making myself do the right things most days, much less being able to make you do that which is right. But we can, as a body, as an organism, have a philosophy that will help facilitate your thinking on about propriety. What is propriety? Let's define it specifically tonight. It is the state or quality of conforming to conventionally accepted standards of behavior or morals. A second definition would be this. The details or rules of behavior conventionally or corporately considered to be correct. Sometimes in the corporate world, you'll walk in and you'll say, this place has a certain culture to it. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's what propriety is. How do they conduct themselves? How do they behave themselves? Have you ever considered how you behave yourselves in certain areas? What it does and what it means to others in this body? Well, if you haven't, then you're not thinking with clarity in the orderliness that God desires. You're not thinking in a realm of propriety. Third, as a definition, we could say it is the condition of being right Appropriate or fitting. So I ask then, are there agreed upon norms for believers both in behavior and belief? Are there agreed upon norms? I mean, that's what propriety is. Are there some things that we should have agreement on in how we conduct ourselves? And the answer is, of course, Yes. <clears throat> If that is true, then, how should our philosophy read? Hint, I wrote it on the top of your outline. You can see it there. And uh, You'll have to forgive me a little bit tonight. My voice is a little tired. I sang tenor in the choir tonight. And I tried to keep up with Keith, and I couldn't. So, sorry. Here's what that philosophy would sound like. Here's what we would believe. We conduct ourselves, as you read it there on your outlines, we conduct ourselves in biblical modesty, with proper manners, in the spirit of meekness. That's us. You say, good, close the book, let's go home. Well, let's talk about those areas. Because if I'm going to conduct myself in a right way, in a right manner, in a right fashion with other believers, then we're going to have to have some agreement on these things. And there's a lot, as Edward likes to say, and I never have quite figured out what this means, there's a lot of niggledy bits that are included in this. I think it's a South African term for minutiae or garbage, I don't know. Let's begin first with the simplicity of modesty. The simplicity of modesty. Say, man, are you serious? You actually called it the simplicity of modesty? There is nothing simple about being modest in the modern world. No, actually, it's quite simple. We are the ones that complicate. Yeah. Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14 say this. For brethren, you have not been called unto liberty, or you have been called unto liberty, excuse me, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, it's one encapsulating thought, Paul says. He tells those Galatians... You have been called to liberty. You are free to make choices. However, those choices cannot be an occasion to the flesh. They cannot cause you to fall into sin. They cannot cause you to falter in this walk with the Lord. Modesty is to be the standard for all Christians at all times. The key to understanding what constitutes modesty in dress in particular is to examine the attitudes and the intents of your heart. Those whose hearts are inclined towards God will make every effort to dress modestly, decently, and appropriately. Those whose hearts are inclined towards self will dress in a manner designed to draw attention to themselves with little or no regard for the consequences that come to them or to others who see them. I would define modesty this way. The quality of being relatively moderate in life choices and in areas of behavior, manner, dress, and appearance. Intending to avoid impropriety and indecency all the while. In other words, what does it mean to be modest? And we don't mean in the sense of, well, I'm just a humble person, I'm just so modest. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about in the sense... Of the world that we live in, what does it mean, especially in the realm of dress? And that is the tough one, isn't it? It's not the only one, but that's certainly the difficulty. Well, let's look first at the fact that there is a need for modesty. There's a need for it. A list of rules tonight will not be our guide. We don't have a rule on skirts in this church. (gasps) Some people might have just passed out at that point. We don't have a rule against slacks on women. <gasps> now I really need a bag, Pastor. Please help me. I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> None of those are bad, but we don't have a guideline. We don't have somewhere posted in the office on the back of one of our office doors what all of the these and the thous and the shouts and the don'ts. For what you wear. In other words, we go by the guide of the Word of God, and that is you have liberty, but do not dare use that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. You answer to God for that, not me, not as your under shepherd, as under the chief shepherd. I will give an account for your soul, and if I see a pattern of problems, well, then I have to intervene at certain points. Here's another thought, just so the ladies don't feel left out. We don't have a rule on earrings, long hair, or beards on men. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm getting my beard on <laughs> We don't have rules on those either. In other words, sometimes when we hear this conversation come up, it's just like, well, girls, it's time to get you on this one. That's not my point. I'm just bringing to the forefront what the Bible process is. We have standards. There's clearly, when you walk into this place, a different standard. There is a different philosophy of operation, home to home to home, that walk into this place, that worship in this place, than many other places that you walk into. If you go to Kroger Field for a football game this September, you will see a different dress standard, hopefully, than what you see here. You will see a whole different crowd. Why? Because their version in the world of modesty is going to be different than ours. It's just going to be different. By the way, there are some churches that have rules on all those things that I just said. Good churches. Good people. Well, you should too, Pastor. And my question always to someone that asks me to make them a list of rules is why? What would my rules do for you that this book can't? Instead of telling you which style of dress is allowed, we encourage each believer to live graciously towards one another. That does not mean that there are not times, there are not photos, videos, or other ways in which the whole family is touched by a brother or sister who goes beyond Christian liberty and into fleshly licentious living Where I, as the pastor, do not have to sit down with that man, woman, boy, or girl, and say, I think for holiness and for our church's healthiness, you should not engage in this or should not wear that anymore. You say, have you had to do that? Occasionally. You're a jerk. I might be. I try not to be. I try to be an overseer. That's my job. My job is not to call balls and strikes. My job is to make sure that everyone is wanting to live holy and that they are clear that when they are not wanting to live holy, that we want them to live holy. That's my job. By the way, modesty is not just what you wear. It includes how you speak, what you promote, what you consume, and what you display. Social media has opened a whole new world on modest behavior. Pastor, I never knew those words would come out of my mouth. I can't believe I said that. Well, you weren't moderate. You didn't express modesty. You took an occasion of the flesh in the liberty that has been granted to you in Christ. We are relationally fellowshipping in this earthly sojourn as members together of a spiritual body. Therefore, I'm going to recognize that my actions will impact you and your impact actions will impact me. That's the thing that we're driving towards here. That's why there is a need for us, especially fathers in the homes, to make sure as husbands, to make sure that there is a family standard that is not violated willy-nilly. The argument is age-old. Is it men's fault for being aroused through their eyes, or is it the woman's fault for wearing the immodest thing? I bet we'd get 50% one way and 50% the other way. <laughs> and the answer is, you'd both be right. Men need to guard their eyes. And ladies in the area of dress need to guard their bodies. Paul, addressing strong and weak Christians over meats to idols, addresses well this idea of propriety, and I think it applies to modesty. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, he says this, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty, what liberty? Christian liberty. This liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now, I will say this as well, just at least on the fashion front ladies, I understand it's hard to find clothes. It's hard to find clothes that make you look nice, that are modest in both length and fit. I get it. I hear it all the time when I go shopping with Jessica. Now, I don't like shopping. I'm like the guy that just sits out there, All right, when you're done, tell me. You're done. And But I will go with her because I preach on this morning, spending time with your wife. And so when I do, she'll come out or at some point she'll go, oh. There's no good Christian designers of clothes that are look good and are modest. And the answer is, she's probably right. As a non-fashion guy, I don't understand that. But the point is, I know the frustration is real. But I also know that through careful effort, we can make sure that we are modest in the things that we do. So there is the need for it, but secondly, there is the nature of it. So what are we talking about exactly? The question that I'm always asked is this Pastor, how far is too far? I mean, do I have to dress like Maria in the sound of music when she was in the convent? I don't know. How do you solve a problem like Maria? I don't know. I mean, you know, carefully, apparently. Some of you got that sound of music record. You're welcome. Let me ask you this, not in the area of dress. What words are immodest? And in what context are they immodest? My wife and I have this conversation all the time. We have three little boys at home. There are certain words of bodily functions that when they're said, three little boys go, oh. but Mommy doesn't want to hear it because they're not appropriate. It doesn't denote propriety. By the way, if it's not good at home, at the dinner table, or in the house, for our family, it's not good in the Sunday school classroom either. You see, when we talk about modesty, we always get hung up on what we're wearing. And the answer is modesty is being moderate in every area of our behavior and living. It's very simple, and that is I'm going to make sure as best I can not to be an offense to someone else. What words are immodest? In what context are they wrong? What length of skirt or what tightness of a garment is too short or too tight? I, by the way, always like answering like the great Supreme Court justice did in 1964 when he gave his ruling on pornography. He said this, I'll know it when I see it. I put that in your notes there. That's a good phrase to live by. How do I know the nature if something's modest or not? You'll know it when you see it. My job is clear to give oversight to the flock. I'm an overseer, and when I oversee something that is not holy or healthy, I know it, and I must intercede. That is not to say that pastor is the arbitrary gatekeeper to all things that are pure and not, in both clothing and conduct. The great irony is that most believers who are walking with God know what is modest and what is not. Including, by the way, with the rare exception, those who are violating their Christian liberty. They know it. But I can get away with it. That, by the way, I've been given three boys. And I'm glad that I'm not a dad of a teenage girl because it would be a constant fight. Honey, you can't wear that. Dad, you're so mean! I may be, but you'll thank me someday when you're safe, pure, and protected all the way to the marriage altar. By the way, just as an aside, I'm raising three boys in this church. I tell them always to do what Dad does when talking to women. Look at their eyes. Make it easy on them. Propriety and modesty for a spiritual person is why I'm doing this. That's what we have to ask ourselves. Why am I doing this? It's so that I can... Exercise or demonstrate how much I love one another. i got to ask this question at some point, too, when it comes to the nature of modesty. How will God be glorified in what I'm doing and what I'm wearing? Can God be glorified in this? That begs yet an even another question. Does God care about the clothes I wear? Does he care about their style, their fit? Does he care about the language that I use? Yes, 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 and yes. He cares about all of them. can't believe you try to control what i wear or what i how i conduct myself i'm not trying to control i'm just trying to show you that as a body we're going to have if we were to ask what length of a skirt is modest and immodest we'd have 40 different opinions
1: by the way on that
0: note No serious believer would ever say, you're trying to control me. How dare you, Pastor? They would stop and say, well, if my pastor or if others are concerned, maybe I should take stock of what we're doing and how we're living. The second would be this. Scott County and Great Crossings High School, listen to their dress code. If this is the public school's dress code and any of our kids are violating this or if any of our women, hopefully not our women, are violating this, then there could be a problem, and we have to be careful. We have to come back to the philosophy that we all are agreeing on. Here's what their dress code says. As far as bottoms, they can't even call them girls and boys anymore, but as far as bottoms and tops, here's what they say. Bottoms, shorts, skirts, and dresses should be at least fingertip length all the way around. Do you know what that means for us guys? We have no earthly idea what that means. That means when you hang your arm, it has to reach your lowest fingertip. Now, that would be a skirt just about four inches above my knee. Now, I don't wear a skirt, so it doesn't have a problem. But for me, that's about where it be. Now, here's the point. If you're coming to church and your skirts are here, maybe that's too high, but if they're here, (laughs) maybe too high, but if they're here, guess what? You can't even go to the public school wearing that. Great day in the morning, and yet there's argument and complaints. I don't know how you could be a youth pastor today. I don't know how you could be a parent, especially of Young Ladies Day. I pray for all of the dads of our young ladies because you're doing a good job. But I also know that the world is absolutely avalanching your young daughters to dress and be like them. And it's hard. I understand that. Here's what they go on to say. Holes should fall below the fingertip length. Or be covered, or be covered. Excuse me. Pants, shorts, and skirts should be worn at least to hip height. In other words, you can't drop them below your hip. No saggy or droopy pants. That's my favorite line from all of their dress code. Worn will be permitted regardless of what is worn underneath. No pants worn below the hips. They say this is the public schools' guidelines. Here's what it says on their tops. Tops should completely cover the midriff, including the sides. No belly shirts. No off-the-shoulder, crop top, one-shoulder, halter tops, or belly shirts can be worn at any time. Straps on a shirt must be three fingers wide. Mm. Now, some of you are starting to think, "Oh man, I gotta come with." This is just the Scott County School. Notice, I'm not even making a list. I'm just reading theirs. But I will say, if that is what. The public institution who is serving a secular king believes. What should our standards who serve Christ as our king be? What should our standards be? And the answer is vastly different than that. Yeah. Why? Modesty is simple. <clears throat> we just sometimes don't like it. And that's where it gets complicated. God's very straightforward. Modesty falls to individual, to the individual, I should say, to maintain. I'm not going to do a dress check next Tuesday morning when everybody is heading out for school or work. Of course, it's summertime. Uh, if you're going out to the pool and you're like, well, make sure you're modest. My job is not to come and do a dress check. It's your family's job. And we're all families together in the same body. So where you go, we go. What you wear. We wear. Philosophically, we would all agree as part of this body that we want to practice modesty in our living standards so as to encourage and edify or build one another up. The second aspect of propriety then comes in our statement of this: the significance of manners. Most of the young ladies like, finally, I know I have good manners. The pastor's not preaching at me anymore. I wasn't preaching it to begin with, but my job is to warn every man and every young lady. But I will say, probably the manners are where we men struggle the most. On the way in, he didn't mean to, but he was nervous at bringing his violin. He just, uh, Nate was walking from my office, and he just trucked right in front of Miss Diane, just right in front of her, or maybe Miss Shannon, one of you. And I said, son, there was a boy, there's a lady right there. You don't just walk right in front of a lady. You show manners and deference. Sorry, Dad, I forgot. I'm nervous. I get it. I am, too. I got to preach, and it's not a fun message. I get it. I'm nervous, too. But you have to remember your manners, because it is right. Patch used to sing to us. The clearest sign of Western society's decline is the absence of good manners. Biblically, I group good manners into two categories. First, letter A, caring words. Proverbs 15 and verse 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Proverbs 25 and verse 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. The book of Proverbs has countless practical helps to improve your language and your words. In fact, if one were to study exclusively through Uh, That topic of our tongue through Proverbs, you would go from a potty mouth to a proper mouth in no time. I think my favorite passage in all the Word of God, since we're limited on time for this this evening, is found when it comes to the tongue and caring words in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but... That which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it, that word that you spoke, may minister grace unto the hearer. Instead of tear-down words, they ought to be build-up words or carrying words that we use one to another. And by the way, at home, moms and dads, that is a constant fight. And then when you factor in that you've got to teach your kids that, it gets even harder. Some of you got that (laughs) It's hard when you're talking to your honey And for that day She doesn't feel like your honey (laughs) Oh there's kids watching Good. It gets hard Listen the Christian life is a real life Sometimes I think that's what we often forget What I'm preaching tonight is not Just shame on you What I'm preaching tonight is This is real This is life This is what we gotta do This is who we are. And by the way, right now, this is all we got. If we don't live holy, who's going to? If we don't hold to these philosophies, who will? Caring words give way, secondly, in manners to kind ways. Contrary to what people say, chivalry is not dead. Though many in this world are trying to kill it. Jessica and I teach our boys to hold doors for others, especially ladies. You know, sometimes, by the way, that can practically pay off for you. It was like a year ago or two right at, towards the end of the COVID restrictions and stuff, we decided to, we were still living in our rental house, and our house was just about done, we decided to take the boys to Cracker Barrel, I think somebody had given us a gift card, so we went to Cracker Barrel, we had a gift card and glory, hallelujah, we were going to do something, else. that's not necessarily our favorite restaurant, but man, any restaurant with a, a gift card is a great restaurant, right, and so here we go to Cracker Barrel, Woo, glory, hallelujah and we're going, and the boys can order whatever they want, this is fantastic, and on the way in, Nate decides as everybody's going, in. so see, I didn't very young the bus, pal. He held the door for another set of families that was coming in. He said, no, I've got it. and held the door. We ate our dinner. And the boys, usually when Jessica and I are paying, you know, we're kind of like, all right, you guys are going to share. Somebody's going to eat the nuggets and somebody can have the fry. You all have been there, right? We all know that. And, and so everybody's going to do this. This is how we're going to make do. And, and, and this night, man, it was gift card night. It didn't matter. We could have whatever we wanted. And we get up there to pay. And I'm like, man, this is going to be great. And the person said, somebody already paid for you. I mean, that's never happened to us. We don't ask for it to happen. We don't want it to happen. We were able to pay for our own and we're one. But that person said, they paid for you because your little boy was so kind and good-mannered holding the door. We have no idea who the people were. But good manners bought us a meal that night. So you know what Nate does every time we go to Cracker Barrel house? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, buddy. He calls that door open. I mean, there's times we are at the table ordering and Nate's still out front. Hey, come on. Man. We're over here at table 10. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, good manners is the way to be. <laughs> we teach our boys to always respect a woman. We teach our boys to respect authority. You know, there used to be a time when the authority was right. Mm -hmm. Right. I can tell you that even in the 14 years of pastoring since planting this church, there have been times, even as a pastor, where I have been told, you're wrong. My family member is right, and you're wrong. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll admit. But there is now a belief that the kid is always right. And the authorities are like, look, if we live in that day, we are in trouble. Good manners say, look, I'm going to trust the authority because the authority given no reason to show that they're nefarious against my child or against my family. There's something else you should pay attention to. When a lady comes up on the platform and saying, what do we on the platform do? Stand up. Why? It's good manners. If the president came in, you'd stand up. Well, that lady, to us, because she's ministering to us, and because she's a woman, deserves our respect, so we stand up. We expect our kids to say, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. No, ma'am, and no, sir. Well, that's just antiquated. I know, it's as old as the Bible, being polite and showing good manners. By the way, if you catch our kids say yeah, no, to you, we expect, Jessica and I both expect, that you would say, you mean yes ma'am or no ma'am. No, I don't do it to your kids. They're not my kids. But I'm giving you carte blanche permission to say to my kids, yes sir or no ma'am. Yes sir, or yes ma'am, no ma'am, no sir. That's what my kids are supposed to say. Why? Because as they grow up, they're going to have a respect for those who are in authority over them. Philosophically, it's what we believe is a home. And philosophically, it's what we should believe is <coughs> a church. Here's the idea of kind ways. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Kindness is the attitude that we should operate under. Proverbs 11, verse 17. Here's a thought to the man, the merciful man, the kind man, we might say, doeth good to his own soul. But he that is cruel, troubleth his own flesh. Boy, that's true, isn't it? We're watching it play out in the progressive wing of the Democratic Party right now. Cruelty, the monster eating itself, those who are cruel trouble their own flesh. And they may be allowed to be cruel for a little bit longer, but not forever. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. Have you ever been kind to someone with no possibility of being repaid? When you leave that instance, you feel far better than the person that received your kindness. That's what that verse teaches. By the way, ladies, it's true for you as well. Proverbs 31 and verse 26. She, speaking of the godly woman there in Proverbs 31, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Not the law of bitterness, not the law of gossip, not the law of backbiting, but the law of kindness. Galatians 6 and verse 10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good. Let us be kind, we could also say, unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now you see why these are parts of our philosophy. It's not just the simplicity of modesty, but it's also the significance of good manners. This brings us finally this evening to the secret. How do I do this? Be meek. The secret to being modest, the secret to having good manners is to be meek. Do you know what meekness is? Meekness is not weakness, as we've heard. Meekness is power under control. Right, right, My blue car has a V6. And when we drive down Lyle Road, if I wanted to, I could run that puppy up to 85 miles an hour. It's got the power to do it, no problem. But I don't. I exercise obedience to the law, but also meekness in the sense that I will not use that much gasoline. No, I will just run it down the road at that speed that is right by the sign. I am taking the power and I'm choosing to keep it under the control that I need to. That's meekness. The secret to being modest is to be meek. The secret to having good manners is to be meek. I will not demonstrate good manners towards another person if I think I'm better than them and I live like I'm better than them. Yeah. <clears throat> but if I'm meek, mean- I can demonstrate good manners to anybody. I can be respectful. Well, how do we do this? Well, the meekness comes, letter A, in the fact that we prefer others. Romans 12 and verse 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. It literally means to set before Protegemi is the word that is there. It literally has the idea of taking that which is equal to us or that which is behind us and saying, no, you go in front of us. It's the idea of preferring them because we honor them. Do you honor others? If you do, then you'll be careful what you do, what you say, how you live, where you go. The secret of meekness is the fact that we prefer others, but the the second one, letter B, is our problems are opportunities. Meekness teaches us that whatever problems come up are really just opportunities to work together to the glory of God. Now, I'm going to say this. I worked for a company once where no one was allowed to say the word problem until the day they laid off 1,400 people in one day and then that company had a lot of problems, right? You had to use the word issue or trouble. You couldn't use the word problem. And then they lost every ability to uh, maintain employment and they had a lot of problems. A lot of lawsuits too, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that we don't have problems. We do have problems. But when there's problems between each other, when there's difficulties that we come into, philosophically we say, I'm gonna demonstrate meekness towards you. I'm going to take what power or liberty is mine. I can dress this way. I can talk this way. I've got no problem with it. And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to put that in control. And Instead, and instead of making it a problem, I'm going to make it an opportunity where I can deny myself and lift up my brother, whether they're stronger or weaker than me, who knows, where I can lift up my brother in this area or my sister in this area. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13 say this, "...put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, or kindness, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye." So our philosophy, then, in closing, of propriety, stated uh, succinctly, would be, as I said in the beginning, that we would conduct ourselves in biblical <clears throat> modesty, with proper manners, all in the spirit of meekness. I hope on a message like this, we all understand the heart of the pastor in preaching it. I have no one in mind, but I have all of us in mind. In the sense that philosophically, this is what we believe. If this is what we believe, that's how we ought to behave in yeah. the day to day life. Let's take some time to pray this evening. Deacons, you can come ahead if you want for the uh, communion time. We'll pray, get them play, and then we will distribute the elements this evening as we participate together in the Lord's.